with us today. It's great to have you here. There's a few faces I don't know. Welcome to Catalyst Church. Great to have you here. We've been doing a series right through this year. That sounds like a long time, but it's almost halfway through. We're getting there, well on the way. Um, Basically looking at the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Who is King Jesus? What does that mean in our lives? How does that play itself out? And we sort of, we're using the tag, the other side of normal. Because if we are really aligned with the King of Kings and we are living the kingdom life, then we will be living extraordinary lives, extraordinary lives, lives that are very different, very, very different. And um, yeah, radical, upside down lives. When the world says hate, we, we give love. When the world says be greedy, we be generous. And everything in God's kingdom is upside down and back the front. And You'll probably notice in your Christian walk that when you first started in God, getting your life aligned with the kingdom of God, there was probably a lot to change. There were probably a lot of things that you need to you know, get right with God, things that you needed to stop doing, things that you needed to start doing. And there was quite a process of getting your life aligned in God. And the longer you go on in your walk with God, there aren't big changes that need to be made so much as there are subtle changes that need to be made so that we're perfectly aligned with the king's design and desire for our life and oftentimes in our walk with God we we get things just slightly out of alignment we're not um we're not running wild in the world but there's just a sense in which we're not quite on center Remember the old uh, printers that used to print out that, that copy and you used to have to try and get the lines you know, set so that they were perfectly straight on your printer so it wouldn't be fuzzy. And it's a little bit like that, that the kingdom of God stands in truth and integrity and there's great principles of the kingdom of God and it's our re- task and responsibility to come into alignment with what God has destined for us. And that can be a struggle. It can be a real struggle in our lives to live in alignment. Oftentimes things get out of alignment and it's our job to bring them back in. And so you don't get very far into this journey of, of trying to rediscover the kingdom of God or get right in the kingdom of God that you run face to face into the lordship of Jesus Christ. That he is lord and master. And he longs to be lord and master over all of our lives and in every facet and part of our lives. And when we understand lordship, then we understand that we come into surrender to his mastership over our lives. And when we've got that sense that God is my master and my king and he has every right to my life, then we live in surrender to that truth. And when we live in that surrender to that truth, then we are really a steward that God can use. Until we are truly surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, he's just our saviour. He's not really master of our life. And today I want to talk about three areas of our life that I can guarantee you one of these you struggle with. In your submission to God, in your surrender to living inside the parameters of the kingdom of God, one of these will be your bugbear. How you use your time, how you use your talents, or how you use your treasure. One of them will be one you really struggle with. Some people are great at giving their time to God. 
But when God says, I want to use that treasure that you have, there's a stumbling block. There's a real struggle. Other times it can be our talents. God's given us incredible giftedness. But we so struggle to surrender that and use it for God's purposes. But it all comes from lordship. There's a guy called John MacArthur in the States who writes a lot of books. He's, uh, he's um, yeah, well known in the States. And he's got a statement, Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And that's a pretty strong statement. But I think if we look through scripture, there is this very strong call of God upon our lives for us to come to a recognition that he is Lord and Master. Not a rabbit's foot that we pull out of the cupboard when we're struggling. He's not Father Christmas. He is Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has every right to every part of our life. Because he's God. And that's the rightful place he wants. And coming to that point of surrender is very difficult. And I'm going to share a lot of my story today in the struggle that I had. And I really want to get this concept of stewardship into your heart today. Because really, when we understand the lordship of God, my time, my talents and my treasure are actually not mine at all. I'm just a steward of the things that God has given to me. A steward who is to use those things that God has given for kingdom purposes, not my own choosing. I don't have the right to choose what I do with my time. I don't have the right to choose what I do with my talents. And I don't have the right to choose what I do with my treasure. And if we can understand the difference between being a steward and a proprietor, then I can tell you, you understand the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because I think a lot of people really honestly believe they own everything, that they have a right to own what they have in their hand. You've got a mortgage that, you know, when you look at the papers, it says it's in Mark Watling's name or, you know, your name's on the mortgage. But you don't own that house. If you understand lordship, it's God's. You're just the steward. And stewardship is actually very freeing. And we'll see that because free, the freedom of stewardship means, well, God's responsible for my welfare, not me. And whatever God puts in my hands, it's his to give or take away, to give to others, to bless, to increase. Whatever God wants to do, he can choose to do that. So taking the time, the talents and the treasure we have and investing them wisely and diligently for the kingdom and the king's purposes. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And I know when I look around this room, we've got plenty of time and we've got plenty of talent and we've got plenty of treasure. The question is, are they surrendered to God? The underlying premise of kingdom stewardship is that we actually don't own anything, that Jesus owns what I think is mine. It's not really mine. It's his. And so we've been entrusted to the care, the use, the distribution, not the ownership. And we really only possess things because God permits us to. And there's some kingdom principles that if we can get that mindset that I'm a steward, I'm just entrusted with these things. I don't control them. I'm just entrusted with them. And I'm listening to God to tell me how to use my time, my talents and my treasure. In that obedience, then God can say, you know, I've entrusted O'Neill with this talent and he's used that talent so wisely, I'm going to give him more and I'm going to bless him with more. 
because he was a worthy steward. But if I give Kerry a talent, if God gives Kerry a talent and she wastes it, then why is God going to give her any more? What's the point? It's a wasted... There's no kingdom advancement and there's no investment in the kingdom. So God's going to... Like you would do that if you were a banker, wouldn't you? If you're investing shares, you'd put it in an investment that was going to grow. And that's the principle of stewardship, that we don't have to be anxious or worried about what we own because God is the king and his welfare will make sure we get through. But we've got to surrender to his stewardship. So if the king owns everything, he can give anything to anyone at any time according to his own sovereign choice. And who is he likely to give those things to? Someone he can trust with them. You know the Bible talks about being faithful in little things? Why? Because if God can see that you're faithful in little things, then he'll entrust you with more and more and more and more. And that's the kingdom principle. And, and as we're going to see, that, that ability to be a steward is actually so freeing because God can pour more and more and more into our lives because he knows that the overflow won't be, I'm possessing all this stuff for myself. It will be, I'm just an open vessel to give it away. And God can pour more in. So a king can distribute his property anytime, anywhere, to anyone as much as he wishes. That's the king's right to do that. He can switch property from one person to another. He can take something from one person and give it to another because he's King Jesus. It's not a competition. It's just God is looking for the hearts of men and women like you and me and saying, are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to take what I've given you and invest it in kingdom purposes? And what we really need to understand on the other side of that belief system is that in the kingdom of God, there's never a shortage. We don't have to be worried about what food is going to be on the table, what clothes are going to be on our back because in kingdom thinking there's no fear of economic downturn, there's no inflation, there's now downsizing, there's never, I, I don't have enough. Because if that's the way you think, you don't have a kingdom mindset. Jesus is not Lord of your life. You're, you're taking back control of your future and your possessions and all your security and everything you've got around. You're saying, I need to take control of these things. Well, there's not enough money in the bank. There's not enough this. There's not enough that. God can take it all away. But he can also bring it back. <laughs> and he can bring it back tenfold. And that's his right to do that. So relinquishing our sense of ownership and acknowledging God as the owner and ourselves as stewards actually relieves us of worry. You know, the main criteria of being a good king is that you want to look after the welfare of your citizens. That's, a, that's how a king is honoured. That's how a king's reputation is known throughout the land of how well he looks after his people. Well, how well is God going to look after us? Seriously. Is he going to let us fade away? Are we going to be sitting on the corner in Pakenham begging for food? No. Because God's got good things for us. So as we learn to give and receive and transfer at God's will, the Lord shares with us freely and abundantly. So letting go of personal ownership nourishes and releases a generous spirit within us. This morning I drove into the car park and this big grey car came up behind me and I thought, that's Dave Rogers' car. Gee, he's got out of bed early. He must have done something wrong today. And when the car came down, Matt got out of the car. And I said, Matt, what are you doing driving Dave's car? He said, oh, Dave's let me drive the car 
to Adelaide so we can go to the hills and have a really good time. That is stewardship. Because Dave didn't go, it's my possession, I'm worried about it getting damaged, what if, you know, blah, blah, blah. He went, it's a possession of God, someone can be blessed by this, I'll let them use it. And because he lives with that principle, I know God will give him more. Because the Bible says give, and it will come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's the biblical principle. Sorry, Dave, for picking you out. But that's, that, that's how we need to learn to live with that generous spirit, not a miserly spirit. So in both the natural and the spiritual realm, royal protocol is to always approach the king with a gift. And the best gift that we can give to God is to say, God, everything you've given to me, I'm giving it back. Everything. Everything that I, you know, can put my hands on that I would call mine. My house, my car, my treasure, my time, my talents, the whole lot. Lord, it's actually an offering to you. And I don't know what you do when you come here on a Sunday morning, but every Sunday morning I come here, I'm renewing my commitment to God that he owns my life. And that I don't just get up on Monday morning and say, Lord, oh, what will I decide to do this week? God has my time. And so I ask him every day, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? Where do you want me to invest myself? And you know what God says? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the principle. So, you know, if you think about it, we've just had the royal couple out here, the Duke and Duchess of Kent, is that right? Cambridge, thank you. Who's Kent? It's one of them. That's Camilla, is it? No, I don't know. Yeah. But did you notice everywhere they went, people were giving them gifts? Okay, and, and that's something that historically you've always done. When you come before a king or royalty, you always come with a gift. You never come empty-handed. In fact, in Scripture, God prescribed to the Israelite people that no one is ever to come empty-handed. You have to come with something. Okay, But that something has to be significant enough to communicate to the king that the gift that I'm laying down before you is worthy of who you are. And the scriptural principle is that... Um, you know, not just to bring something, but to bring your very best. In fact, not just to bring what is your very best, it's to bring what costs you the most. David said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which has cost me nothing. If I go through my cupboard and I thought, oh, I haven't used that for 20 years, I'll give that to the king. What am I communicating? But if I give him what costs me the most the thing that is hardest to climb up on that altar and sacrifice to God, then I'm giving him the best gift I've got. The absolute best gift that I've got. So the gift we bring reveals our worship of the king. The quality and attitude of what we offer reveals more than our words do of the value and the worthiness we attach to the king. And we don't want to just come to church or into relationship with God and just give him lip service. We actually want to demonstrate with the possessions that we have, with the things that pass through our fingers, that we're laying, always laying the very best we possibly can before God as an offering. Like he can take it, that's his choice, because he's king. 
He can say, Mark, that money you've got in the bank, I want that and I want to use it over there. And I can fight with him or if I understand stewardship, I can say, Lord, that's yours. That's your right. I'll just be obedient and give it to them. That's the kingdom principle. And we've got to get back to understanding, giving God our very best. And so that's why we worship. This morning when we come here, what do you offer God? I offer him my whole body. I don't just sit there and say, this is great, thank you, Lord. I actually physically give God my body, my hands, my mouth, my mind, my legs. If I'm standing here of a Sunday morning and I go, oh, gee, I'm too tired to stand up anymore. What am I saying to God? What am I communicating? Am I giving God my best? I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which has cost me nothing. Yes, my back is aching, God, but I am trying to get my mind around the king that I serve and what I would want to bring to him. And even if I'm tired and even if my back hurts, I want to break through that barrier and give him my very best. That's the kingdom principle because I want my life to overflow. I want it to overflow. So let's come back to this time talents and treasure is my private world aligned with how jesus would direct me to use time for his kingdom do i have a proper balance of family of work of serving god of leisure like we have a lot of time on our hands i know this is the modern era where we have all the mod cons that are supposed to make life easy and in fact they just consume more of our time but the point is time's precious and time is running out and we are, each one of us, going to stand before God one day and he's going to say, Andrew McLean, what did you do with your time? And if you cannot look God in the eye and say, I used it for your kingdom, that would be a tragic moment, wouldn't it? I don't want to stand before God and God say, Mark, I gave you so much time, you wasted it. We need to be wise. The scripture says, Look carefully then how you walk out your faith life, not as unwise but as wise, making the best of your time because the days are evil. There's so much out there that can just suck us in and distract us. And God wants us to invest our time. And if the majority of your time is not invested into the kingdom of God, then you're not doing the right things. Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that you have to all go to Bible college. Mark's a great fencing contractor, right? But why is he doing that job? What's the context in which Mark is doing that job? It's to serve the king of kings, to use whatever resources God gives him for the advancement of the kingdom, to be in that environment with the men that he works is to be Jesus. So it's all about the kingdom, even though it's worldly. It's through that journey that Mark is saying, I'm standing for the king of kings. I'm represented him. So we've got to avoid squandered time. Like don't waste the precious time that God's given us and purposefully invest it so that we're doing something that advances the kingdom of God. I don't know what that is because I'm not the king who's going to call you to those purposes. But you've got to find God. What is it you want me to do? Because he's got plans and purposes for us. And we've got to find those and we've got to live them out. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying it's really hard, but that's the difference between being wise and unwise. That's the difference between not having revelation and having revelation, and we'll get to that in a second. 
The second one is, are my natural and spiritual gifts, my talents, my skills and my abilities being primarily utilised for the kingdom of God? Are they being optimised or are they underutilised? We've all got gifts. God's blessed us with incredible talent within the context of the church family generally, like across Australia. You imagine the giftedness we've got. And the Bible tells, tells us about using our giftedness with sober application, like knowing what God's given you and doing it. If your gift is faith, then be, use the gift of faith. If it's leading, then lead. Whatever your gifts are, have faithful administration in those gifts. Use them for the body of Christ. Use them for the advancement of the kingdom. You are the managers of the gifts God has given to you. They may be great or they may be small in your eyes, but they matter to God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. It doesn't mean you're always going to enjoy what God's called you to do, but you've got to be faithful in what God's given to you. Now each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. And the third one, is my treasure my money? prioritised as my first fruits, an act of worship and a resource pool that Jesus can tap at any time. Now, this is the one that I struggle with, and I always have. When I first came to the Lord, the idea of tithing was like an abomination to me. What, God, you want to take what's mine? Don't you realise how hard it is to get that? And you want to take 10% of that? Are you serious? Like, is that what they do in churches? Is that, is that how it works? And I, I had to learn to understand that my attitude was so wrong and so back to front and so selfish and so greedy. Now, some people, this is not an issue. It might be their talents or it might be their, their, their time. But it's going to be one of these three that you're sitting here going, yep, that's mine, yep, that's mine, yep, that's mine. It's one of them. And I struggled with this. And you know what? God will not give up until he is Lord of your life. He'll keep plugging away until you get to that point of surrender. And for me, that point of surrender keeps going on and on and on and on. I remember when I, I finally got to the point of being able to tithe, it was such a painful experience. I had to get my bank account set up so that it would transfer the money straight away when I got my pay so that I didn't find a Sangana Ulubale excuse. Why not? Because there's lots of excuses. I had to find the point in which I realised my surrender to God and his lordship meant I have no choice but to do it. Now, it's not just the doing, it's doing it with the right attitude. That's really important. Now, I have always struggled with this. I've always got it right, but I won't say it's been easy. And then through my journey, we got to a point where God said, Mark, I want you to go to the mission field. I'm like, yes, God. I love using my time and I love using my talents. And Mark, I want you to use all your treasure to do it. Are you serious, God? You want to take everything I've got? We had to wipe our bank account out, and I mean out. So we didn't know where the next money was coming from. We invested everything in to go into the mission field. Did I find that easy? No way. But this is all about lordship. He is lord of my life or he's not. You know something? God met all our needs and more. 
because I learnt that when I keep my life like this, I get nothing. But when I have my hands out like this, I get more than I ever expected. So we emptied out our bank account to build a house in Fiji for the kingdom of God, for kingdom purposes. We lived for two and a half years there without a wage and we never went hungry. We went and did all sorts of things. God was faithful. God was faithful. And we came back to Australia and we now own a house and I don't know how that all works out. But I know that if I'm faithful and I give it will come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Running over so that you can be a blessing to other people. So remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What a great promise. What a great promise. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your hands. For, here's the key, for with the same measure that you give, it will be measured back to you. So the principle is be generous. So the greatest sign that we truly believe that Jesus is Lord is how much you and I are willing to actually get rid of. How much are we really willing to let God have it all and use it for his purposes? We have learned to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ when we can freely give without hesitation and without regret or without fear. You know, God is faithful. I'll tell you a funny story. When, when we went to Fiji, we, we didn't have an income. And so it was like, God, how are you going to provide? And I walked into, I literally walked into a job in Aussie. You know what my first job was? I had to arrange a meeting. Had to arrange a meeting for the SPCA, which is the same as the RSPCA. A group of volunteers from Australia had come over and been working with the RSPCA over there to get it better functional. And the AusAid people in Australia wanted to come over and just do a, a, an assessment of how well that little event had gone. So I had to arrange a meeting between the director of the SPCA and the person from Australia that was coming over to do the assessment. They paid me $5,000 for the meeting. Well, I didn't even have to be there. All I had to do was communicate with them to meet at a certain point at a certain time and they paid me that much money. What a joke. I felt guilty taking it. But how do you know how God's going to provide? You never know. You never know what God is going to do. But we need to submit to him in every way we can. As long as we feel we own what we have, we tend to cling to it and hold it close. In that posture, it is impossible to receive anymore. You just can't. You just can't receive when, you, when your fists are clenched and you're hanging on. We can't receive anything with closed fists and clenched fingers. But when we approach the king with an open hand, with our time and our talents and our treasure, not only can we lay them at his feet as the, as the highest act of worship that we could possibly offer, 
we're also in a posture that the king can give us back more. That's the beauty of it. You can look at this subject and go, what a nasty subject. What a, what a hard subject. It's actually not. You're on the wrong side of the thinking. When you get on the other side and you realise, actually, if I comply with the lordship of God, I'm going to get so much more. It's upside down. It's back to front. Lord, why should I give you 10%? Because God can give you this much. And if you're faithful in the little, God will give you more. It's a crazy principle, but it's the kingdom of God. It's upside down. It's back to front. And we want to just be sure we're on the other side of normal. We're living out the kingdom plan. I love this. John Wesley, if you've ever read anything about John Wesley, he's an amazing man, an incredible man. You know, when he first started doing ministry, he was getting paid like three pound. And by the end of his ministry, he was getting some astronomical amount of money for the appearances that he made and blah, 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 blah. You know, he always lived on three pound. Even though his income grew, he always stayed faithful to what God had given him in the, in, the, in the very beginning. He said, do all you can. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. What a great life motto that would be, hey? Whether it's my time or my talents or my treasure, do all you can. You know, when, when Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he said, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, and by that he meant the Ephesian church, but I think he meant the church in general, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I think this is such a key to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because if, I, if I'm wise in God, then I will know how to use my time. And I will know what my talents are and I'll know how to invest them. And I'll also be wise enough to know, Lord, this is how I use my finances or my, my treasure. So we need wisdom. We need godly wisdom to know what is, what is kingdom and what is waste. And with ever-increasing wisdom, we'll be ever-increasingly judicious and, and shrewd in the way that we respond to God. But we also need revelation. Because what revelation does is it shows you when you're out of alignment with God. And God can say, yeah, but O'Neill, that attitude you've got towards your treasure, it's just starting to get on the wrong side. And revelation goes, aha, you're right, Lord. I need to fix this thing. And we get it back into alignment with God. So I pray, like Paul does, that we as a people will be so much wiser in the way that we use our time, our talents and our treasure. So is one of them something you struggle with this morning? It's always one. But it's okay. It's okay as long as we're growing in God. It's okay as long as we're bringing that struggle to God. He will always give us the grace and the mercy to get through us. He will test us. He will always test us because he wants to be Lord of all. That's the way it should be. So I taught you that little saying this morning, Sanga no ulu bale. Because when God comes and says, you know, I want your time, Glenn, there's no excuse. Or when he says, I want that talent to be used over here, Brad, you can't say, well, Lord, I don't really want to. No excuse. Oh, but God, you can't have my money. There are no excuses. If Jesus is king of your life, then he has rights to it all. Which means dying to self, dying to our flesh, 
And that's a daily thing that we do. It's not a once-time thing where we come to the front of the church and we lay it all down. It's something that we're going to have to struggle with probably all our lives. Enthroning Jesus on our hearts. Why don't we pray? Lord, there's so many parables in Scripture. The returning king, the parable of the talents, the rich young ruler who came to you and said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And you just said, yeah, well, that treasure you have, I want to use that. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't surrender. And therefore, he couldn't be a steward. There were many people who said to you, Lord, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. But first, let me go and bury my dead. No, first, let me go and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no. Sanga na ulu bale. No excuses. Anyone who puts their hand to the plough and turns back is not fit for the kingdom. Lord, I'm not standing here this morning saying that this is an easy topic. I'm saying it's a really hard one. But it's the very essence of your lordship and our surrender. It's the very essence of living for a king and not for ourselves. And Father, I, I know the struggle that's been in my life to deal with money and to let you have control of it. But I know when I've let you, there's been great victory in my life. And you have never failed. You've never been the problem. It's always been me and my attitude and my greed and my lack of trust in who you are. Father, today as we sit here together, Lord, there'll be people struggling with their time. They'll be sitting here going, I know I've wasted my time. I know I'm not investing it wisely. then be wise and make a change. There'll be people who are saying, like, I don't know what my talents are or I have them but I haven't used them. And I just believe God would say, it's no point beating yourself up about yesterday. What are you going to do looking ahead? What change are you going to make to begin walking in alignment with the kingdom? All I am, all I have, and all I ever hope to be. I surrender them to Jesus. Lord, this morning, treasure, time, and talents. Whatever one of those That's the giant in our life. Lord, today we want to tear it down and take the first step towards having victory in that area of our life. We're going to sing a song this morning. Most of you will know it. It's a Robin Mark song. It's called Jesus, All for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be. If there's one of those areas today that you want to rededicate to God and, and this is a very personal thing I believe 
So I don't think you need someone to pray over you. I just think you need to do the transaction with God and say, Lord, I'm giving you back the right to be Lord and to govern this area of my life. I'm going to, this will be the altar up the front here today and you can come and you can just kneel or stand, whatever you want to do and ask God to come back into being rightful ruler over that place in your life. Can I ask you to do one thing today? Don't sing the song unless you mean it. Because I honestly believe if you sing this with all your heart and this is the truth of what you believe and what you want, then God will take you at your word. He will use your time for his kingdom. He will use your talents for his kingdom and he will use your treasure. Not that he needs to, but because he wants to. And he longs for us to come with that attitude of complete surrender. And I know in my journey, I wasn't ready many times when I heard messages like this. I just wasn't ready. But I pray today that if you are, that you'll come and lay it at the cross. Say, Lord, here I am. That area I've struggled so much with, I'm going to lay it down today. We're happy to pray for you, but at the end of the day, this is your decision, your commitment, your pledge, your allegiance to your king. It's between you and him, what he directs you to do, how he directs you to do it, what attitude you're going to do it with. is really between you and him today. So, Father, let us be an overflow. Let us be such a people that all that is in our hands freely comes and freely goes without fear, without regret. That, Father, you can entrust us with so much more because we want to be givers. Lord, I want to be a giver. I want to stand someday before you and you just declare over my life, thank you, Mark, for the way that you just kept giving of your time when you could have used it for other things, of your talents where you could have invested them in so many other ways, of your treasure that you could have hoarded for so many reasons, probably good reasons in this world, but not kingdom reasons. Lord, I want to be a giver. And I pledge my life today to be a giver of my time and my talents and my treasure. If that's your heart's cry today, let's sing and let's respond. Come before the King and give Him the offering that you want to lay down today in worship of the one that we serve, our Lord and our Saviour. So, Father, thank you for the privilege and the honour that is ours to be stewards. It's not second class. It's an incredible privilege to serve you with what you've entrusted to us. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be diligent. Help us to do it with an attitude that is cheerful, 
Lord, would you bless each one here today in their journey with you? Father, really speak into their heart of hearts today. And Lord, I want to tear down the strongholds today in Jesus' name that don't allow us to fully surrender to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. And you would lead your people today in what you would have them do. So Lord, we commit our lives afresh into your hands today. Why don't we stand?